0: And thanks now for joining us here on KVCR for KVC Arts, arts and entertainment, as well as the people and places providing it. I'm David Fleming and glad to welcome once again, Charles Kelly. Thank you for joining us once again, Charles. Thanks David for having me. How are you? I'm fantastic. And I'm looking forward to talking about this incredible disc. We had you on in late 2021 when you had maybe seven tracks of the upcoming at the time CD complete. We spoke about a single that was released called Endangered Species, and the disc is now out. You called it You're Not Alone, but Charles, wasn't the disc originally going to be called Endangered Species? Yes, originally it was
1: going to be called Endangered Species. I felt after a while, because of where I wanted to take the album spiritually, Hmm. the message You Are Not Alone is a lot more universal than Endangered Species. It would have been difficult for me to speak about it from that point of view. But I felt as though as the song started to mature and the realization of the message became more clear, it was better to change the name.
0: Okay. Frankly, I like You're Not Alone better as an (laughs) album title. Yeah. It seems more all encompassing, as you just indicated. Since we did speak about endangered species and people can just go to kvcrnews.org slash arts and then search for Charles Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, and you'll find actually a couple of times that he was on the show. We talked about Endangered Species at that point. You're Not Alone as a song really grabs you with a great drive and melody. Okay, it's jazz, but I think it's still accessible. And that may sound like a strange thing for some to say, but I know that some people are, oh, no, it's jazz, complex rhythms. I can't do it, you know, I need four on the floor and that's it. This is really something that one would find on a smooth jazz playlist rotation. And I'm going to have to really defend that now, too, because Smooth Jazz, as a radio format, really spent a lot of time at one point pulling the so-called easy listening tracks from otherwise really cool funk players. Yeah. And this worked well for many, and some started composing really drippy music, but then it started pigeonholing some individuals as players of, quote, that kind of music. You, however, Charles, are part of the more interesting and enjoyable music folks can find in so-called smooth jazz. And come to think of it, you've been seeing some charting with this song, You're Not Alone.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, when I first started out, David, I did not want to be pigeonholed at all. Mm -hmm. My goal was to have my career open-ended. You know, the people that I listened to is anywhere from Billy Childs and... Eric Marienthal Mm, to Peter Gabriel I go all over the place and you know I had a conversation with my label I told them that I can create singles but I wanted to be able to have the flexibility on my album to be able to take it where I wanted to and they were very generous in doing that so my next album as I go forward will be a little bit more jazz oriented I'm going to take it more into a more sophisticated level. Like I said before, I love groups like the Yellow Jackets. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Russell... Yellow Jackets, Rivingtons, yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, right, right. So I don't want to be limited, but at the same time, I know that I am a smooth jazz artist. Mm -hmm. So I plan on creating music that's going to encompass both.
0: going on to the next track, I Know You. We have several keyboard sounds on this one, a bit of electric piano, and there's some kind of sound in there that I can't quite identify. So with that, you know, talking (laughs) about that, do you have some keyboard sounds in mind with one melody or another and then work with that? Or do these come about as piano or electric piano or whatever, because that's just what you have to be working on?
1: I don't even think along that line. I think more along the line of colors. Okay. I paint it from a color perspective. Probably what you're hearing in the background is a clavinet. Ah, okay. And, you know, that comes from my funk side. I know for the single, there was some discussions about kind of removing that sound in the beginning, but I know for the album, I felt as though it was really necessary because I know people still identify with that. So, you know, for me, it's about colors. I try to paint colors. I try to capture the melody as the main driving force, but around that have different colors. And when those colors come, they're going to be represented by different sounds and different instruments. So for me, it's all about the color, not necessarily the instrument itself.
0: I'm surprised that I didn't pick up that it was the clavinet because clavinet, yeah. one of my favorite albums in the world would be Herbie Hancock's Headhunters and that Absolutely. anytime you think you're hearing guitar sometimes it's actually the clavinet there so. yeah
1: Herbie used the clavinet with the wah-wah yeah,
0: and true. that
1: sound just resonates with me. I come from that school and I put that in my music still I don't look at it as being old or jaded I look at that as being something that will always be there so. Those types of sounds to represent certain feelings or to represent certain colors, by all means, I will use it.
0: Well, and I really, really hope this type of playing would continue. Yeah. It's not like you know, historically we say, well, swing was you know 30s and then in big band into the 40s and then you know whatever fusion 60s into the 70s, like it's stuck in that time period. That may have been when it came about, but. Thankfully, people are still doing it, like yourself. You know, I could ask this of several tracks, but speaking about Mm -hmm. I Know You, I suppose this actually could come up again and again, but did you have the melody of this one and then work towards supporting it? Or was this a cool chord structure? And then you needed some phrasing on top of that. It was more of the chord structure. You know, it came pretty quickly, actually. Oh yeah?
1: Again, this album, not the production of it, but the album I wrote pretty much in about a month, month and a half. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah, and the chords themselves is what kind of brought out the melody because the first chord is an E 11th. It's a D with the E in the bass, and it kind of reminded me of the Beatles right. because if you listen to A Hard Day's Night, that first chord is so resonating. That chord that sounds like somebody dropped a guitar? Yes. That... Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's been a hard time. Yeah. and that first chord is so rich, you oh, know, yeah. I learned that chord not from them but from my days listening to Slide and I Found the Stone and songs like Poet and so forth like that, so when I play it, I said, man, that's good, and then I can come in with the melody underneath it, but it was really the chord structures that I started first. It just depends, sometimes I go off the melody, Sometimes I'll go off the core structure, but for that specific song, it was the core structures first.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm sure it would be different here and there, but that yeah. one, you know, I try to predict these things sometimes, and <laughs> that one, i Okay. Charles, I've mentioned in the past that I find your sound reminiscent of Joe Sample. Yes. And not derivative, mind you. Okay, it just has that soul funk approach. So by now, this is certainly your style. This is your approach and feel. But way back when, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to your television fame days... And we're talking about the TV show Fame, guys. I'm not talking about TV fame. I guess the same thing here. But anyway, Charles was on 18 or so episodes of that. But okay, so way back when, was there anyone that you were trying to play like? Was it, oh, I need to get that Crusaders feel or Herbie? And I'm talking about when you were in your 20s or 30s, whenever you were a kid, anytime.
1: Yeah, those guys were in me for years. I mean, I listened to Herbie and I listened to Joe Sample, when I was like 17, 18, 19 years old. Ironically, the song that stays with me the most by Joe Sample is Together We'll Find a Way, hmm. which is on the Rainbow Seeker album. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: a purple
1: it is, cover. I mean, I know yeah, that one, yeah, it's an acoustic song. He did an acoustic piano recently. I was in a text conversation with Tom Hooper, who was the manager of the Crusaders. Okay. And I asked him, I said, listen, I've always wanted to know how he did that song. And I also asked him, was he in the studio? And he said, yes. And the reason I like that song the most, and the reason it stays with me, is because it's so natural. You know, he encompassed classical and Latin mm. and jazz. And those are the things I tried to put into my music, along with the funk with Herbie. So those guys I listened to when I was 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old. So by the time I got in my 20s, it was just there. You know, going into the 80s for me, it was a little bit different because things were a little bit more commercial. But in the late 70s, things were a lot more wide open. Like if you listen to songs like Sly from Herbie, or you listen to Chameleon, 13-, 14-, 15-minute songs, yep. you hear all these different styles and all these different things. So by the time I got into the 80s, it was more about how do you bridge it so that you can get that sophistication into four and five minutes.
0: Oh, that's a lot to put. That would make you just put the keyboard away and go do something else. For, that's a lot to try to do there. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, for folks keeping score at home, that was not a purple cover. I'm thinking of the Crusaders live in Japan, just for those fact checking me as I speak. There are elements in some of the songs which are evocative of the title given. Some, well, let's talk about I'm Good. I'm not sure what it is that suggests that title, and I would think maybe a conversation in the recording studio. You want to do another take? No, I'm good. (laughs) Where did that title come from?
1: No, that was really coming from a spiritual place. Okay. What I was trying to convey to my listening audience was that in spite of all the situations that happen in a person's life, spite of all the circumstances if you tap into your inner being and if you be connected to God you'll always be good and it was more of an inspiration from that point of view I always look at it from a point of view that we all go through challenges we all go through things but the goal is to come out victorious on the other side so you have to speak life to your life you have to speak goodness to your life and even when things are bad If you look at it from a positive point of view, you'll always be good. So that's kind of where it was coming from. I always try to have messages that are inspiring to my listening audience, and that's kind of where I was coming from.
0: David Fleming in conversation with Charles Kelly. That was one called I'm Good from Kelly's 2022 release You're Not Alone. Charles was on the program in the past talking about a couple of his gospel releases and a new single called Endangered Species. That was the first one out on the way to this new album. More from and about You're Not Alone as KVC Arts continues. Back now with KVC Arts, I'm David Fleming. Many past shows can be found through iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as NPR One, and most past shows are at kvcrnews.org arts. On this edition of the program, we're hearing from and about Charles Kelly's 2022 release, You're Not Alone, which we first heard of just a little over a year ago with the first single, Endangered Species. When you're titling, I've asked this of several people recently and so here we are again folks. (laughs) When you're titling a song, okay it's easy enough to pull a lyric for which the title to come from, okay? But titling instrumentals, no lyrics from which to pull the title, Vijay Iyer, jazz pianist, he will listen to a song after it's done, then he'll do some sort of free association and be like, oh this is Washington Park to me, or whatever. Steve Vai, on the other hand, I'll share this once again. He came up with the title Zeus in Chains. (laughs) And then he found himself tasked with writing a piece that would live up to a title like that. So how do you end up with titles?
1: Well, a lot of times what I do, believe it or not, I compose away from the keyboard. I kind of learned that by reading about how Beethoven composed a lot of his music, meaning that he would go into the forest and he would think about different things. With me, I've kind of taken that point of view, whereas I try to come up with different things that I really want to say, and then I start getting these ideas and these colors in my head, and I say, well, you know, I can do this and I can do that. So by the time I get to the keyboard, it's more or less, okay, this would be representative of what I'm trying to do. And that's kind of how this album really came about. You know, each song, of course, it kind of took a life of its own, and there were some changes, but for the most part, it was about looking at it away from the instrument and coming up with the idea and then allowing the creative process to be able to create that image that was in my mind.
0: Okay. Al have you ever been in that situation, or maybe I should say, have you ever put yourself in that situation of the Steve Vai thing that I mentioned? You've got a great title, and then it's like, uh-oh, how am I going to live up to that man? <laughs> Or just change the title, yeah.
1: Well, Endangered Species was something like that. Oh, there's good, okay. Because okay. I love that title. Yeah. You know, I just love that. And I was thinking a certain way, and I was like saying to myself, man, you know, how am I going to do this? And what kind of instruments are we using? It would have to be something different and all this. I would say, yes, I was thinking along the lines there. But it's mainly the ideas first, and then the song, and then it's the title. But yeah, I totally understand what he's talking about. Because if you come up with a really cool title, <laughs> now you got to you have to you have to make that pop. Yeah, what, and that's see. hard. Yeah. That's hard. That's a lot of pressure at that
0: point. Yeah. <laughs> the first four tracks include Blake Aaron on guitar and he was also credited with mixing on uh, two of the songs, I Believe You're Not Alone and I'm Good. Yeah. The other is mixed by You. Yeah. So were these just two different studios, or uh, what was the situation there with the two different takes?
1: That's a great question. Blake is a really good friend of mine. Really good guitarist too, my yeah, guy. He's excellent. And the way that we worked that out, was that he was in his studio and I was in my studio. And we were sending each other files back and forth. So I recorded a lot of stuff, and then he sent me his guitar parts. And then he had certain software that I felt would be better for the mix, Mm. for that specific track. And he said, well, you know something, rather than you get that kind of software, I'll mix it. I said, that's great. That's absolutely great. So we were kind of online together doing things simultaneously. And then he came up with the final mix that I really liked because of the software that he had, and I thought it was really great, and we went for it. Yeah, Blake and I, we play a lot together. We see each other a lot. And I'm sure that this won't be the last album. We will definitely be working in the
0: future. Oh, good. I hope so. I I hope to catch him in person at some point playing somewhere. I'm a neck watcher. When I watch guitarists, I'm there. I'm looking at where they're going with what. I would love to watch him.
1: I tell you something, Dave, a lot of people don't realize and I don't know if <laughs> I think Blake will be fine with me saying it. He sent me a song that was so incredible. It wasn't smooth jazz because we talk on different levels. So we were talking about, yes, and I think he had interviewed John Anderson
0: nice, wow. like
1: a while ago. And we were talking about, you know, maybe, you know, we should do some other type of things in the future and things like that, you know, musically. Hmm. And he sent me a song. That was so good. It was rock, but it was like Gino Vanelli type stuff. (laughs) And you don't hear this on the Smooth Jazz albums, and people don't realize how good this guy really is, but he's incredible. His solo on Endangered Species is
0: incredible. What type of social media presence do you have? I know Facebook at the very least.
1: Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. We're on TikTok, LinkedIn, also IMDB Pro, oh, I'm right. IMDB. We're on all the different social medias. The label has a pretty good way of putting us out there. Yeah. And then, you know, I supplement it a lot. And then I work with Robert McLean from the Sundial Agency as well. They really have a way of helping us to get our stuff out there, and it's been very good for me. I've learned quite a bit in working with them.
0: This is Intervision Records, by the way. Intervision Records OK. And is that intervision.com.org? Intervisionrecords.com.: It's presented very well with the various artists. You can click on them. There's a bit of a bio. You're there and Blake as well. So Intervision Records, it wasn't Intervision on the two CDs with the praise band. No, that was on my own. That's right. Yeah,
1: that was Sounds of Sunrise. Before I signed with Intervision. I was doing a lot of gospel. And Sounds of Sunrise was my own label. And we did a lot of really good things locally here. We got a chance to open up for a lot of really good artists. I've worked with C.C. Winans and Israel Houghton cool. and so forth. That was on my own. OK, um, gotcha. I still have a vision of doing that. Mm-hmm. I still want to do gospel records. I think right now I'm really enjoying my solo stuff and I want to establish that a lot more. Probably in about two or three years I'll probably venture back and do another gospel record.
0: Never saw red. <laughs> this one starts off with some natural sound, but where before we were invoking the sounds of the island, yeah. this is a cityscape. There's yeah. a siren off in the background, a, a car taking off with just the slightest bit of skid on the gravel. <laughs> uh, uh, was this you, often Fontana, or, or did you? I mean, what? what? <laughs> so yeah, first of all, yeah. Where did that, these sound effects come from? Yeah, There's a wawa siren too.
1: Yeah, yeah. This 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 was more along the lines of me kind of telling on myself, (laughs) you know, I I was in a situation and I was, I was hanging out, this is years ago, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: hanging out, having fun. And I was listening to music and I just ran the red light. Uh. (laughs) Okay. the, The sirens, please, please be good to me. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely just ran the red light and that's kind of what that was about. So, you know, they came and gave me a ticket and so forth, but, um, you know i'm human and i just kind of wanted to put that out there like that um yeah it was it was it was it's 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 a total break and and, and to me that was important too I, I wanted to make a total break from all the other stuff mm. and do something that's a little bit different um that's why i kind of used you know more like a jam session type of oh, arrangement yeah. you know like we're going back and forth with the guitars and the drums. I mean, the, the guitars and the keyboards, and my son going back and forth. So I kind of wanted to make it more urban and uh, more, um, more kind of contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more city oriented.
0: Yeah, this is the one I think I mentioned earlier that I was saying, oh, here's this, that, or the other, or excuse me, I'm this is the one that I mentioned earlier about having this really wonderful searing guitar solo instead of having yeah. the accompanying guitar. Yeah. Actually, yeah. okay, Mark, take it. Yeah, Mark
1: Mark is somebody who I, I... Mark and I grew up together. Okay. We grew up together. Mark and I was in a lot of different groups. We came out here together to work with Stevie Wonder um, along with Donnell Spencer Jr., who was on a few, few of these songs as well. Okay. Um, I've been playing with Mark since about close to 50 years Mm. Hmm. 50 years when he was like 14 15 years old i mean it's really incredible we've we've played with sister sleds together um we've played with blue Blue magic together the singing group blue magic so he was a he he was one of their best guitarists out of philadelphia and when we and when we moved out here we've you know, stayed in contact, and I knew that he could do it. He's actually done some concerts, and I plan on working with him in the future. So Mark is a really trusted, good, excellent musician.
0: Wow. So, I mean, at one point, he was just waiting for the Eubanks kids to leave town so he could be (laughs) number one. So, okay, wow. Well, I just, I loved his work on that. It was one of those things that I have to say every so often you're listening. I did this with Ron Estey as well around here. Sometimes you hear... A sound on whatever instrument, and it's that that makes you look at the liner notes and see who this is. So, never saw red. This is simply the red light. <laughs> not real deep on that. That was just never saw red. I love it. I, I couldn't make the yellow as not was the. No, I just ran it. I was having
1: fun, and I just ran the light, and there you go.
0: With Never Saw Red fading out at the end, I was suddenly reminded to ask what made you or what makes you decide to do that on some songs, that is, fade out, instead of finding that final note or final chord. It's
1: interesting because on Never Saw Red, the way I saw it is that I'm fading out because I escaped the police.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't do this at home, kids.
1: I, I, you know, I, hey, you know, everything was good and, you know, fade off into the sunset.
0: Man. Wow. Running from the car. Co- <laughs> the opinions and attitudes of Charles <laughs> Kelly do not necessarily reflect those of KVCR. Now that said, wow. Oh, that is funny. Oh, that is too funny, Charles. And that's my favorite track and it's got a running. It's got a, oh man. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm, um, I'm trying to get away.
0: <laughs> For the entirety of this edition of KVC Arts, it's been Conversation with Charles Kelly, talking about and hearing from his 2022 release, You're Not Alone. That last one, Never Saw Red. That was maybe my favorite track on the disc, but there's a lot of great music on this disc. We'll have more with Charles Kelly, hearing about the rest of You're Not Alone, on the next KVC Arts. Thanks again to Charles Kelly, and here at KVCR, thanks to Lillian Vasquez, Rick Dulock, and Shereen Wad. Music beds and themes heard on KVC Arts composed and performed by Sean Longstreet, so thanks to Sean as well. Many past shows can be found through iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as NPR One. And most past shows are at kvcrnews.org arts. I'm David Fleming. Thanks especially to you for listening and for your support give any time of the year at kvcrnews.org. And thanks again.